Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. You know I love giving you some bonus whenever I can. So today I'm giving you bonus content for a new podcast called 22 Hours, An American Nightmare. Ah, Stick around after the interview for a special sneak peek. If you like what you hear, click the link in the description to hear more. And yeah, it's pretty scary. So if you're one of those people that love scary, you got to check this out. You're going to love it. All right. So I'm so excited to be welcoming to the show my podcast fam, major fam love right now for a new show, 22 Hours, an American Nightmare. Now, straight up, everyone needs to know I'm a big scaredy cat. And I was a little nervous when I dug into the show and hearing about what the the work that Megan and Jack are doing. But the more I learned, I am really blown away about the passion and commitment and risk that both of Megan and Jack took to pivot their careers to pursue something that they knew they needed to work on. So Megan and Jack, welcome to the show and, and please share with us what's going on. Thanks, Heather. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Um, I guess we'll basically just say what, what our show is about. It's, um, Essentially, the prosecution said it was a case that nightmares are made of, and it really just kind of shakes you to the core. It's a wealthy businessman and his wife, their 10-year-old son, and the family's housekeeper, just on a regular, normal day in May of 2015, were all of a sudden taken hostage. They were tortured for 22 hours, and then eventually they were killed. And nobody knew about this until firefighters showed up at their house when it was burning down and found them inside. And so... You know, we work for a news station in, in Washington, D.C., and we covered that crime. And then usually kind of in the news cycle, as we know it now, you hear about a crime and then you don't hear about it again. And we followed it all the way through until the trial, which ended up being three years later. Um, and the man was convicted in their murders after a six-week trial. And so the podcast is not only about the crime and the investigation and the trial, but it's also about how Jack and I kind of found ourselves in the middle of this project and how we navigated through it and worked together to, to get it done. How did you find that commitment to stick with this so long? So I think it really comes back to the partnership aspect. And also we have a really great boss who, who really has championed this project because, you know, be completely honest, we've been working on this for months and there was probably a point several months ago where I would, would have been working on my own, I would have given up. You know, I just couldn't, I, I felt like we'd hit a wall and we were trying to get some people to speak to us for the project, um, people who had testified in the trial. And this was a very difficult moment of their life so that, you know, they didn't want to participate. And I said, well, we can't get the people that we need to talk to, you know, so I throw my hands up, I guess, I guess we're done, you know, no more podcasts. But luckily I was with you know, working with Megan and with our, our boss who really believed in the project and, you know, and kept pushing. So I think that has been essential, you know, having a good teammate, you know, having a good partnership. So when you feel like, you know, giving up, feel like you can't, you know, you can't get this project done. Somebody else is there to push you. Totally agree. When you're surrounded by people that not only encourage you and support you, but stretch you to go further than you know you can go, that is such a key to confidence and achieving your goals. So, so happy for you guys. You had those people on your team. What is it that the listeners are going to get or learn from your show? Well, they're going to learn about this, you know, what happened to this family. And really, it's interesting because you, beyond the crime, you learn about how 
police actually go about doing this, not in a CSI TV way. I mean, it really, in, in how they found this killer was through a piece of pizza, of all things. They found his DNA on a piece of pizza crust um, to, to the trial. And it almost ends up being like a civics lesson in how, you know, some things, as humans, we want, we want everything to fit, right? We want like the, the storyline to make sense. And in court, it doesn't necessarily have to. So there was all of these details that as you're going through the podcast with us, Jack and I, you know, we are kind of living it with you. And, and we have audio diaries from when I was covering the court, uh, the, the, the trial at court. And you hear me being like, well, that doesn't make sense because so-and-so said this. And you kind of hear us, you're like, like figuring it out with you. Um, and in the end, you know, all the jury needed was, was reasonable doubt to convict and they did. But the podcast is, is not necessarily who done it, it's how. And it's why and piecing together all of these details that were sort of thrown like confetti on the floor. And we had to <laughs> pick them up and put them in the right spot and, and make sure they made sense. So it's the first time this story has been told chronologically laid out in a way that you can like go through the journey with us. So you're basically pulling the curtain back behind the scenes to recreate exactly what happened. Exactly. And I think, and a big thing, um, you know, for Megan and I both was to to give the listener, as Megan said, almost like a civics lesson to kind of elevate the material, you know, because this is very dark and in in a really horrible crime. And we didn't want to just focus on, you know, um, on the gruesome details, but to show how the justice system works, you know, and this, this case is not a normal case. It was very high profile here in the Washington DC area. So this is the perfect opportunity to show people how the justice system works outside you know a lot of people have a view of from tv you know which which is kind of you know over dramatized and ours is you know trying to trying to give people a um a, a real picture of of how it works are you tired of the stress and chaos of live launching who isn't right but if you've tried going evergreen you know that's not the solution either hello low conversions so what's the answer the Circuit Sales System is designed to make sales for you every single day while giving your audience all the excitement of live launching without you ever having to live launch again. What would increasing your current yearly revenue by 40 times look like for you? Okay, nobody's making any income guarantees here, but that's exactly what Nikki did for her business when she developed her Circuit Sales System. The Circuit Sales System is the automated system that combines the best of both live launching and evergreen with none of the worst. Think high conversions and high predictability without the chaos or risk. Get the free on-demand video training at circuitsalesystem.com slash confidence. Get the free on-demand video training at circuitsalesystem.com slash confidence. When I started podcasting, an online store was the furthest thing from my mind. Now I'm selling my group coaching on the regular, and it is just so easy, all because I use Shopify. <coughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at 
every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to did we just hit a million order stage shopify is there to help you grow whether you're selling scented soaps or offering outdoor outfits shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling. Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort, thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. I didn't know what I was going to do when I got fired. Launching my own business seemed so intimidating. I didn't know how to set up a website, and I really didn't need to. Shopify does it all for you, and they make it so easy. It was that breakthrough moment for me that I realized, I can do this. I can go to work for myself, thanks to Shopify What I love about Shopify is you don't need to have all this technology information ready to, you don't need to know how to plan and run things. You just need to go to the platform, turn it on and know what you're selling. And Shopify is going to help you figure out the rest. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries, including your girl right here. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Monahan, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Monahan now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Monahan. No matter what stage you're at, they're going to make it easy. CBDistillery.com is giving you an exclusive offer and it's huge right now. You can get up to 30% off everything. If you've struggled with sleep, stress, or pain after physical activity, cbdistillery.com has a targeted plant-powered solution just for you. I love hearing how many of you have seen improvement in your daily life, thanks to CBD. So if better sleep, more calm, and relief from discomfort after physical activity sounds good to you, you should explore CBD. Don't miss this massive sale and get up to 30% off your order. Visit cbdistillery.com and enter VIP. That's cbdistillery.com and enter VIP at cbdistillery.com. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, and South Dakota. Also, Heather, I think it's sort of interesting that, you know, throughout the whole podcast, and this might speak more to your listeners, is you hear Jack and I, you know, kind of grappling with it a little bit, how to cover it, how to do it. I mean, there was a day where, as a reporter, I'm not supposed to have any feeling in my reports. It doesn't matter how I feel. But when I was calling Jack after like an, the autopsy day, I just told him, I was like, gosh, I don't know how I'm going to do this. You know, this is just so horrible. And you hear not only like the emotion that kind of we go through, but then also um, just us like going to the scenes and talking about, okay, does this, does this matter? Should we add this in? So not only is it, you know, the story of the crime and the investigation and trial, but it's also how we put this together. That is going to be super interesting. And as much as I'm a big scaredy cat, I need to listen because now I have fear of missing out. So I'm totally in and I suggest everybody tunes in. Guys, when is the show live? We have 10 episodes dropping every Monday. Between now and June 10th, you can download, you can listen to um, a 10 minute kind of teaser, the first 10 minutes of the first episode. 
And that's on Podcast One as well as at Apple Podcasts, 22 Hours, an American Nightmare. Correct? That is correct. Yes. All right. Well, I'll be catching you guys in the show and I can't wait to hear it. Thank you for the work that you're doing and thank you for empowering all of our listeners. I appreciate it. Thank you, Heather. I appreciate you having us on. DC 911, what is your emergency? Hey, uh, I think there's a house fire at 3201 Woodland Drive. Got smoke coming out of the eaves and the window. Repeat the answer again. It's 3201 Woodland Drive. It's 124 on May 14th, 2015. It was pure chance that Donald Spence found himself at the front door of a burning house in northwest Washington, D.C. that afternoon. He just finished a job installing wallpaper at a house in the neighborhood. It was the kind of neighborhood you might want to walk around in, full of beautiful old houses, some might consider them mansions, each with its own ornate style and manicured green lawn. The neighborhood is tucked away behind D.C.'s famed Embassy Row. The home of the Australian ambassador is right there across the street, and the vice president's official residence, just a few blocks away. I just drove up, saw the building, and it's pouring out of the uh, overhang. Okay, from which floor is the fire coming from? It's coming from, it looks like it initially from a bedroom, but it's going sweeping across the whole overhang on the front of the house. This is a private stuff. house, single house? It's a private mansion. Spence had just finished eating his lunch in his truck, and he was about to head home. Bored by taking the same turns on the same streets for weeks, he decided on a whim to take a new way out of the neighborhood. And that decision took him right past the house with smoke pouring out of its eaves. Okay, I've already sent the fire department at 3201 Woodland Drive Northwest. Yes, okay. top of the hill. Okay. No one is, seems inside the house. I don't think anybody's in the house, but uh, but I can't tell. I knocked on the door, and I can hear the alarm going off. And there's a fire. Yeah, and uh, it's, the house is like crackling. No flames yet, but the smoke is just pouring out. Uh, it's drunk quick. DC firefighters arrive in a matter of minutes. One of the first trucks to arrive is from Engine Company 28. It's a fire station right near the National Zoo, about a five-minute drive from the massive brick home on Woodland Drive. The first firefighter, Lieutenant Chris Hershey, rushes up the flagstone path to the front door. The address is spelled out in gold lettering on the archway. The door is locked, so he kicks it in. Hershey had no idea he was walking into a crime scene. Standing in the foyer, Hershey sees thick black smoke pouring down the stairs in front of him. It's so heavy that even with his helmet light on, he can't see his hand in front of his face. Firefighters are trained to fight fires from the inside out, to go right to the source of the fire. He starts to climb the staircase. Navigating up the stairs in the dark, Hershey pushes open a bedroom door. He's found it. The whole room is lit up orange. The flames are rolling up the walls. We got room off on the second floor. Get the line on it. Copy 28, you have a room off on the second floor. You have a line on the fire. These are the fire department radio transmissions from that day. A line means that Hershey has a hose on the fire and he's trying to put it out. There are other recordings from this day, too. They're filled with firefighter jargon. But they help illustrate the chaos at the scene as firefighters discovered... This was not a normal fire. More firefighters start to pull up on Woodland Drive and pour into the house, looking for anyone who might be inside, overcome by the smoke. Private Michael Ader is one of them. He's not here to fight the fire. He doesn't even have a hose. Just his tank of oxygen and a mask over his face. 
Facing the thick black smoke, he heads to the second floor to look for victims. And right away, Ader knows he's on a deadline. His oxygen will only last him about 25 minutes, and it's a very big house. So he knows he needs to work quickly. Ader goes to a different bedroom from the one Lieutenant Hershey is in, working to extinguish the roaring flames. Ader heads across the hall to another bedroom filled with thick smoke. There's no fire here, but he knows there could be a person who couldn't find their way out. So Ader starts what's called a right-hand search. He gets down close to the ground and orients himself by keeping one hand anchored to the wall on his right. Starting at the door, he runs his hand along the wall until he covers the entire room's perimeter. But Ader can barely see. With one hand maintaining contact with the wall, he reaches out with the other, blindly feeling around. His hand hits the back of a chair. He sort of gives it a nudge, but it's weighted down by something, almost like someone's sitting in it. He reaches up to where he'd expect a head might be and feels a face. Ader goes to lift the person out of the chair, but he can't get a good grip. Something's wrong. They keep slipping out of his grasp, and he doesn't know why. He doesn't know if the person is alive, but they feel like dead weight. He goes to lay them on the floor so he can try and lift them in a different way. As he lowers the person onto the floor, he realizes he's laying them on top of another body. Ader manages to carry the first person out to the hall and hands them to another firefighter to bring to the medics outside. He turns back and finding the doorway to that same smoke-filled bedroom, he sees his lieutenant has just arrived to help. Ader goes to the spot where he found the second victim on the ground and begins to lift them off the floor. But across the room, his lieutenant says, help me lift this person. I am, Ader insists, with his hands under the arms of the second body. That's when they both realize they're holding different people. There's a third victim in the room. There are a total of three victims. I copy, Chuck 2. Chuck 2, what side are you on? Rescue off. Three victims removed. Second floor. Speed Delta Quadrant. They're all out front. All need medic units. The recordings are a little hard to understand. We'll need medic units. That's what the firefighter says. Outside 3201 Woodland Drive, three victims lay in a row on the front lawn. They're covered in blood. The firefighters can't really figure it out. There's not usually that much blood at the scene of a fire. They wonder if there had been an explosion of some kind. The medics work frantically, and one of the victims is lifted on a stretcher and rushed to the ambulance nearby. It's been a surprising 25 minutes, and not in a good way. Ader takes a seat on the curb and starts to process what just happened. He removes his mask and draws a breath of fresh air. Up until now, the smoke had clouded his vision. He was using his hands to get around and navigate his way through the room, through the house. This is the first time he's seeing what's on his gear. He looks down and sees something red. It's definitely blood, and it's on his mask. It's covering his turnout gear. It's on his boots. It's on his gloves. After he suits up to go back inside, Ader finds that thick smoke upstairs is starting to clear, and he finally gets a good look at the bedroom where he found those three people. There's only one way to describe it. It's a bloodbath. 
the room inside the doctor killed is a crime scene. The police are now on the way. It's clear to everyone on the scene, the bloodied victims pulled from the upstairs bedroom weren't simply overcome by smoke. And there's still another gruesome discovery for firefighters inside the other bedroom, across the hall, where Lieutenant Hershey and other firefighters are working to put out the fire. Lieutenant Corey Goats is working backup. He's crawling toward a window when he kind of falls into a hole in the floor. The heat from the fire had burned so intensely, it melted the bed. The floorboards had given way, creating almost a crater in the middle of the bedroom, filled with blackened bed springs and something else. When Goats trips into that hole, he brushes against something, part of a body. He reaches up to confirm his suspicions and feels what might be a small knee. He reaches farther to feel another leg, and then his gloves land on what feels like a head. It's the charred body of a child. It is being called a major crime scene as homicide investigators examine a house that caught fire in northwest D.C. Is a crime scene. They found four people, including a child, dead inside on the second floor. Right now, it does not appear that this was just a random crime. I said, but what happened? They said, we don't know. They killed the whole family. Police have said they believe more than one person is responsible for the crime. A wide-reaching manhunt for Darren Wint, stretching all the way to New York City. We had the DNA on a piece across. How did his DNA get into that house? Got it package that I'm going to need you to bring down to me. To do what he did to four people, including a 10-year-old boy, is just beyond words. They were brutalized, and we saw the evidence of that. The jury has just reached a verdict in the murder trial of Darren Wint. He was going to strike the American dream just by committing murder in mayhem. I'm Megan Cloherty. Thanks for listening to 22 Hours, an American Nightmare, a new true crime podcast from WTOP in Washington, D.C., Hi, I'm here to tell you about a new podcast that I am so excited about, Negotiate Your Best Life, hosted by Rebecca Zung, a part of the Yap Media Network. As a globally renowned narcissist negotiation expert and an attorney recognized by U.S. News as a best lawyer in America, Rebecca shares her invaluable insights and strategies for navigating life's toughest negotiations. By drawing from her own experiences and the wisdom of her high-profile guests, such as Bob Proctor, Mark Victor Hansen, John Gordon, and Rebecca delivers empowering advice that will inspire you to reclaim control of your life. Negotiate Your Best Life is all about how to negotiate your way to greatness. She provides practical guidance on how to break free from toxic relationships, stand up against injustice, and transform chaos into freedom, possibility, and purpose. Many times, the first negotiation you do is with your own in the morning. In the morning is when you wake up, and that's when Negotiate Your Best Life is time for you. It's about to find your way to greatness, conquering obstacles, and creating the life you truly deserve. Get ready to slay thrive and unlock your full potential don't believe me i'm gonna go ahead and share some of the reviews that are out there so you can hear and you can believe too you have helped me so much these last few weeks i was with a narcissist for two years she drove me to the point i wanted to take my own life listening to you has made a massive difference and now i know what i'm with thank you rebecca now the recovery 
Thank you for gifting the knowledge to believe in myself again. You have unknowingly helped me legally represent myself through criminal, federal, and civil court proceedings with a narcissist. There would be so many people around the world that you're helping without even knowing like me. You saved my life. Emma, 35 years old, Australia. If you are ready to stand up against injustice and transform the chaos in your life into freedom, possibility, and purpose, then check out Negotiate Your Best Life now. Subscribe to Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zung on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform.